0: Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Um, I know a lot of churches do this uh, in their church. Um, A lot of times I don't like to do necessarily things that other churches are doing just because they're doing it. But I had the idea um, to do this late last year to have a Vision Sunday. And one of the things that we are celebrating this morning on 02022020, palindrome day, (laughs) is that we are celebrating eight years here in this building. Uh, We had, yeah. The first Sunday we had that we worshiped together in this building was February the 5th. 2012, and uh, so we're just sort of celebrating that day, and like Tyler mentioned early in the service, you know, when we're thinking about Vision Sunday, we want to celebrate uh, what God has brought us through and what all of his faithfulness, but we also want to be excited about what God has for us uh, moving forward, the vision for our lives, the vision for our church, of what God would uh, want to accomplish through our lives and then through our church. So we prepared these little cards for you, little prayer cards. We just finished 21 days of prayer. We don't want you to forget about prayer as we go out through the years. So this is something you could put in your Bible, a bookmark or a book that you might be reading. And there's just some um, ideas uh, for prayer on the back of this, Um, things that you could pray for yourself, things that you could pray for other people. Uh, But we'll go ahead and put that in your Bible or a book that you might be reading to remind you to pray. So we are having Vision Sunday this morning. And like I I said, just celebrating what God has done. Um, And now when we think about having a vision There is obviously uniqueness to having a vision for our lives, that you have a specific history and a specific direction and specific gifts that God has given to you. So we all don't share the same vision for our lives. There is some uniqueness, but there is actually some commonality that we could see in the Scripture. For those of us that say we follow Jesus, there is a a common vision for all of us that God has called each Christ follower to be part of a church. And I know it's a little bit popular today for people to say, you know, I can be spiritual, but I don't need to go to church and it can be an argument and blah, blah, blah. But there there is no Christ follower who is called to live a life on their own. That we are all called to the family of God and we're all called to be part of a local church and and what God might be doing in that city, in a region. Um, Thank God for the local church. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a church lifer. Now, that doesn't mean that everything, that every day I've spent in church has been hunky-dory or smelled like roses. It's, in fact, sometimes my days in church have smelled the opposite, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but it doesn't mean we opt out of church. It's because church is difficult sometimes, that um, the church is actually Jesus' vision for the world, because... There's things that we can overcome together, that we can transcend together, uh, that are that we are limited to just as an individual. We can go somewhere fast by ourselves, but God is calling us to go somewhere together, and so we want to have a corporate idea where we are going, what we are moving towards, and then also this will satisfy some things for us as an individual Christ follower. Now. The idea of, the, of vision or the future is actually unique to humans, made in the image of God that we would operate with this idea of vision. What does the future hold and then what am I moving towards? Now, and the reason I say this is unique to humans, you know, when I, when I feed my dog and I put down food in front of her or them, they never stop halfway through the bowl of food and they say, I'm going to save some for later. Why? Because they have no idea of the future. It is actually unique to us. They're not thinking about the future. They're not worrying about the future. They're not considering what might be. Unique to us, made in the image of God. And this is how God wants us to operate in our lives. He wants us to operate through vision. Write the vision down, make it plain, so those that see can run you know, towards words that the scripture talks about. That without a vision, people perish. That we need to know where we're going in our lives. Otherwise, we're aimless. We have no aim. We have no purpose. We have no reason. And so once again, for all of us here in the church, we have some uniqueness and you should have a vision for your life. But then us corporately together as a church family, the things that we could see, that we could accomplish together as a church family, we can have that shared vision and we can have that shared goal. Now, when we think about Jesus, obviously Jesus is famous for going to the cross and we follow the one who is famous for sacrifice. So it would stand to reason that our lives would be a reflection of that sacrifice, that we would would sacrifice our time, our resources, our effort, our attention, our emotion, our love, why? Because Jesus showed us the way to be human, That this, the idea of sacrifice, that I'm sacrificing for the future, that everything isn't just for today, that when I invest my time in the local church, that I'm investing into someone else's future, when I'm investing my resources in the local church, I'm investing into someone else's relationship with God. When, when I, I'm, I'm loving somebody or caring somebody for somebody at church, I'm investing into their future. I'm sacrificing a now or some time or, for, or some effort or some emotion or some resources for somebody else. So Jesus is showing us how to live by going to the cross for the church, the beginning of the church. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So as the church is getting started in the book of Acts, and that's what the book of Acts is all about—the beginnings of the church, and how the church got started, and what happened, you know, for about a thirty-year period. But we see the beginning, you know, coming up the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on the church. The purpose of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church is what, so that we would be witnesses, that we would be a witness to what Jesus has done in our lives, and that's such a great, simple thing to to. Talk about what does it mean for me to be a witness? Do I have to go, you know, stand downtown Yonge Street, a Young Street, young and dundas with a bullhorn and yell at people and tell everybody that they're going to hell? Well, no, I, I would say what it means to be a witness is you would tell people what Christ has done in your life. That's what you are a witness to. He's done this for me, and so I share that with others. I share God's salvation. He's saved me. He's done this for me. But when we see this word here, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. We could read this individually, as we would in the West, because we're a very individual culture, but he's not saying you individual, that's part of it, but it's you plural, That 120, that was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, that when he said you, he was talking about the group, he was talking about the family, he was talking about the family of God, not just me as an individual, yes, me as an individual experiencing God's salvation, experiencing the Holy Spirit, but all of us coming together to be a witness for Jesus. To give glory to Jesus, and that's what our church, in simple terms, is all about. Lifting up the name of Jesus. Thanking God for his faithfulness, for what he's done in our lives. And one of the things that he's done, and I'll just give a little reminder again, for us as a church family, one of the things that God has done for us as a church family is this building that we're sitting in to worship. If you are new and you don't know the story, you you saw in the video there me holding a bucket. Did you see there in the video, I was holding a bucket. I was like, why is Pastor Brent? It wasn't one of those illustrated messages. What that bucket was, was um, in our last, one of our last year of our old church, our old church building, we burned the mortgage of our old church building in that bucket. And so that bucket for us is kind of like one of the rocks from the Jordan, Do you remember what the rocks from the Jordan were? They took rocks out of the middle of the Jordan because they were reminding themselves of God's faithfulness. So we're reminding reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness to us as a church family. And on that day, when we burned the mortgage at our old church building, we bought this church building outright with no mortgage. And there's a lot of stories that go behind that story, but it was, a, it was a miracle 20 years in the making. And it had to do so much with my parents' faithfulness and, and my dad's faith to see into the future this idea when we get into our brand new building, when we turn the key, we'll be debt-free. He saw it and he made it a thing that we would say and then we actually saw it come to pass. Now, it didn't come to pass overnight. How many you know 20 years is 20 years, friends? 20 years is 20 years. I lived it with them. Do you know what I'm saying? It was a really long time, but it was worth the wait. It was worth the excitement. It was worth the thrill of being in this building eight years ago, the first Sunday in February, celebrating what God has done for us so that we would not lift up the name of Earlby, but thank God for Earlby. But this building is all about lifting up the name of Jesus. This church is all about lifting up who Jesus is. And that's the vision that we would get from the scripture, that we as a group, we as a family, as the Holy Spirit comes on us, that we would be a witness for Jesus in our city, in the surrounding region, in the nation, and around the world. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now the scripture is the one of the reasons why our church name is the city church. That we would seek the welfare of the city. So what we what would we be seeing that we would do, vision, what we would see what we as a do, that we would do as a church family, that we want to seek the welfare of our city. That we want to preach Jesus in our city, in our region, in our nation, around the world. Because that, how many know that's going to change somebody's welfare? Getting connected to the Savior, getting connected to the life that Jesus has for them. But very specifically, we, this is our idea, not, not just that we're, we're here for us, because we're not just here for us, we're here for the city. We're here to be a blessing in the city. So what do we want to do? He sent us here in exile. This is not our, our final resting place. Our final resting place is in the presence of God, is to be with Jesus, So he's writing to the children of Israel who are in exile and Babylonian captivity. And so this place that isn't their final place, he's saying, while you're in this place that isn't your final place, pray for the city. Because when the city is going, when things are going well in the city, you are going to find your wellness in the blessing in the city. So we want to continue to pray for our city and be a blessing in our city as the city church. All right, so our first Sunday here was eight years ago, February 2012. Now, we started out eight years ago with one service, um, and then three and a half years ago, we moved to two services here in this building. And then and when, we, when we went to two services, the idea of the two services is to make more seats available for your friends and family to come. And what happened was you invited more friends and family, and more people came. So over the eight-year period, our weekly average attendance has increased 82% over that eight-year period, which is pretty exciting. And once again, it has nothing to do with us. It's all about connecting people to Jesus. And it's it's actually how we should want to do church. It is how we should, we should want to do the Great Commission. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, when we tell people the good news about Jesus, they're going to want to become part of the family of God. So our family is not a closed family, right? Are you here this morning? So we need more brothers and sisters to show up. We should want to, if we're following Jesus, if we're heeding the words of Jesus, for us to do the Great Commission, we should be like, hey, We need to make more seats available for more brothers and sisters to come and hang out with us so that we can talk about Jesus and we can lift up the name of Jesus so more and more brothers and sisters can come and lift up the name of Jesus and talk to other people about Jesus. Now, when we think, you know, just just in simple terms, when you have people enjoying church, they bring other people to church that they're enjoying. And that's what I would say. You know, if if you don't feel like you can invite your friends and family to our church, you should go to another church. And I say that with all sincerity. You you should have a church that you're a part of that you don't mind bringing your friends to, that you don't mind bringing your family, even if it's just Easter and Christmas, whatever it might be. You should should be a part of a church that you can invite your friends to because that's kind of the purpose of church, that we would invite new people into the church. So, 82% growth is pretty exciting, but it does present us with some issues space issues. Now in this service, you know, this service is not completely full. We got some extra seats. But in our second service, for those of you who come to it once in a while, it is jam-packed, completely jam-packed. And I tried to convince some of the people who come to 11 to come to the service because there's more seats available. (laughs) But it is completely jam-packed. So we have a little bit of a space issue as we think about going forward. Now sometime in the future, as we're looking to the future on Vision Sunday, we're going to have to go to three services, nothing else just to break up that 11 a.m. That 11 service so that we can make more space available for your friends and family to come, for, for, for you to be able to invite your coworkers and people on your street to come to church because why? They need to hear about Jesus, right? Are you here this morning? Because that's what we're doing, right? Because otherwise, we're, we're just, otherwise, we're just messing around playing church without actually doing the Great Commission, without actually thinking, hey, I can actually help disciple somebody else. All that we would be doing was singing our favorite songs and listening to really good preaching. <laughs> but beyond that, we have to have people in our heart because this is the point of the church, that, that Jesus came for everybody, didn't just come for us. And so as we, as we think forward, as we look forward, you know, we're going to probably have to add another service. And then the other thing as we look into the future, are you looking into the future with me this morning? Because we're not dogs, right? Right? We can see beyond today and that we're actually going to need a bigger church building. Now, the reason I say that is because there are actually some limitations here on this property as it relates to parking. Now, we actually have a tenant space behind that wall, but ultimately all the city would let us do if we open up that wall and, and expand into that space, they just let us create like a really big lobby because we wouldn't be able to put many more seats in there because of the limitations of the parking, because there's bylaws in our city relating to seats in your worship space and parking in your parking lot. And we actually already exceed that because of our neighbors and their parking. So just looking into the future, we will need another church building. So the reason I tell you that is not to make you nervous, because we're not moving next week, (laughs) we don't have some big plan in place or something. I just, the reason I'm telling you that is because I want you to pray, all right? I want you to pray along with me. And and to be honest with you, seven years ago, um, if you had have asked me if we would ever move church buildings, I'd be like, no way ever again are we moving church buildings. Because that year of when we bought this building and renovated, I just gotta be honest with you, that was, for my wife and I, that was the hardest year of our lives, Because, do you understand? I'm a pastor. I'm not like a construction guy. And I'm pastoring the church, preaching every Sunday, and then doing a full construction thing. And it was just a lot of work. I mean, my my parents, they believe God, thank God for that, but they didn't do any of the work. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) we would have been like, no, we're never going to move. We're going to make it work, whatever we need to do. And just... A little while ago, Nicole and I had a conversation and it's far enough on our memory now that we, hey, we could actually do that again. We could actually do, and this is what we want to do. We just don't want to do something for the fun of it, friends. We would want to do the thing that God has for us. And so whatever the option might be, it might be finding a piece of land, building a brand new building. It might be finding a building and renovating it like we did here. But what I would ask you to do, I was ask you to pray along with me. And if there's any progress, I've had conversations with our realtor If there's any uh, material progress in this area, I will let you know. Um, But what I would ask you to do is to pray. So will you pray? All right, thank you. So we are excited about everything uh, that God has done for us and what he is going to do for us. And so in simplest terms, on Vision Sunday, what is our vision, our shared vision? Once again, that will work for us as a church and that will work for us as individuals. And it's really twofold. It's two things. It's prepare for growth, and it's prepare to leave a legacy. Prepare for growth, and prepare to leave a legacy. Now, when we talk about growth, we're talking about growth as us, as individuals, that we are all growing and moving forward, that our our, our families are growing, and I don't just mean having more babies. I mean, you know, there's a growth, there's a, a, a knowledge growth, there's a knowledge of God, there should be a moving forward with your finances, there should be a growth as you as an individual, that you should be growing as an individual. If you are a boss or a worker, that you should be growing in these areas, that we should have a vision for growth. It works for our lives, and it works for us as a church. So we want to prepare for growth, because why? Why? We can't stay here. We can't stay here. Why? Because God is giving us a vision for more and, and more in every area in life, in our family, and then for us as a church. So when we think about growth, growth means change, growth means maturity. Growth means grow just growing inside and outside. And when we get healthy and when we get mature as individuals. People would want to be our friend in the same way it would be for us as a church. When we get healthy, people would want to come be part of our family. Now, I didn't say perfect because we aren't perfect and we're never going to be a perfect church. But we want to be growing and we want to be maturing. And part of what maturing is all about is taking on responsibility, right? When your children grow up, you want to add responsibility to them. And this is the, one of the things that we would see About us as a church, we're not perfect, but we are maturing and we're growing. And there's a lot of mature and maturing saints that go to our church. And you being mature and you growing is actually not about you. Saying, I just want you to know how mature I am. I just want you to know how many books of the Bible that I know and how many scriptures I can quote. No, that's ego. Ego. And you being mature is not about you. You being mature is helping disciple somebody else. That's taking on responsibility of a Christ follower. So all of this goes together growing and maturing, adding new family members. So we are growing, but we aren't perfect. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 says this a vision for our church family, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may be no longer children. What are we doing? We're growing up. We're preparing to grow. No longer children tossed to and fro in waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I don't need to talk about those things. We've seen those things over and over again, but rather instead of that... What are we going to do in the context of the family of God, in the context of relationships? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. up. So we got to prepare to grow. Can't stay here. We can't stagnate as an individual. We can't stagnate as an individual follower of Jesus. God wants us to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together. We're doing this together. We're not going it alone. And we can make more impact together. And the more people we add, the more impact we can make. Why? Because we're doing it together. And what are we doing? We're lifting up the name of Jesus. We're not doing our own thing. We're not doing our own. We're not building our own kingdom. We're lifting up the name of Jesus, glorifying the name of Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when when each part is working properly makes the body grow. When everybody's doing their part, doing who God has gifted them to be, what's going to happen? The body's going to grow. So it builds itself up in love. So, when we're growing and we're maturing, not only is, am I growing and maturing, but then I'm going to help someone else grow and mature, and then automatically the church is going to grow. Now, we're not, when I, when I talk about church growth, I'm not just, I'm not doing, we're not talking about church growth so we can say that we have more people than some other church in the city. We're not in competition with any church in Mississauga or the GTA. What we are in competition with is our own potential. Who has God called us to be? How many people can we disciple? How many children can we move closer to Jesus? How many students can we move closer to Jesus? How many adults can we move closer to Jesus? What capacity has God given us? I know one thing he's given us. He's given us an amazing church building. And, and what we don't and shouldn't do is worship the church building. Now, when I was talking about a new building, somebody might think, but how, Pastor Brent, could we move out of the Miracle Church building? But the building is not about the building. The building is about people, friends. It's about people, but reaching and blessing people. So we're growing up and maturing and then more people are gonna be added. So we have to be, so we're growing up and then we're growing together. So that means we're putting aside petty differences and we're putting aside petty offenses because if you have ever been a part of a church, you know that those things can destroy a church. Petty, pettiness. I've seen it a lot. Just petty, small-minded offense, small offenses. And then I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to tell somebody how offended I am. And then what happens? The church just destroys itself from the inside. Why? Because no no vision for somebody else. That it's all about my feelings and how I'm feeling. No, but what are we doing? We're, We're growing up. We're not letting offenses dominate us or pettiness dominate us. We're going to let the mission of the church dominate us. We're going to let the great commission dominate us, doing the things of God. So we're going to grow up and then we're going to grow together because we're just so much better together than we are alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you you see the day drawing near. This is a great vision for our church family. What are we doing? Well, we're, we're gonna get together, and we're gonna stir each other up to love and good works. That's a really good vision for your life. That's a really good vision for church attendance, so what am I doing when I'm coming to church? Yeah, man, we're going to get to sing and we're going to get to experience the presence of God and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus and we're going to hear some preaching and we're going to read some scriptures, but I'm also coming to church to stir, to stir somebody else up. And this is one of my favorite things that I see in our church lobby and in our groups, people stirring each other up. And a part of maturity is not saying, well, I don't want to be part of a city group because I don't have time and I already know the Bible. No, part of maturity is I'll go be part of a city group for somebody else. I'm going to go be part of a city group so I can stir somebody else up, that I can help somebody else's marriage, that I can help somebody else raise their children. I'm going to go there and I'm going to stir somebody else up, growing up, being mature, preparing for growth. And so we also have to be okay with the idea of a growing church because our church is growing. Now, generally speaking, people like the church that they attend at the number of people that were there on their first Sunday. Because that's how they judge it. And then, so they attend the church, and then, you know, not so much in this service, but in second service, you know, you start to lose your buffer seat. Right, because like some brand new person's going to come and sit right beside you, going to be rubbing shoulders, and their cologne is getting on you. And you'd be like, "I just remember when I could come, when I could have four buffer seats at the city church, and I didn't have to worry about getting a parking spot, and I didn't have to worry about long lines and city kids." And I would say, "Grow up." <laughs> That church isn't all about my comfort. Church is actually about people. About people and the Great Commission and sharing Jesus with other people. So we should be like, hey, I'm glad I lost my buffer seat. And I you know I went to raise my hands in worship and I hit somebody beside me. You can't be like, oh my goodness, I'm so offended. You'd be like, hey, the church is growing, praise God. More people are hearing about Jesus. We have to be okay with it, with this idea. Acts chapter two, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes and receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. This is the church, the beginning of the church. And this is how the church should be. A healthy church, once again, a healthy church has growing people in it, and it is growing. We're not perfect. We will never be perfect. So that always gives us something to move forward towards. But the, the vision for the church, as we would see in the scripture, is that God is adding people day by day. He's adding people all of the time. And so I'm, I should be happy to have new brothers and sisters, right? Right? It's like, come on, come on, be part of our family. Come on, and there's another seat at the table for you. Yeah, come on, sit down. I know your life is a mess right now. Mine was too, but come sit beside me. Jesus will fix it. Jesus will fix up your life. This is what we see. We have to be okay with the idea of our growing church. And the number two, the vision is we have to prepare to leave a legacy. Prepare to leave a legacy. Now, as you, those of you that were here in December, you know that I turned 50. Now, I'm, I'm still 50 is the new 30, okay? <laughs> still all about that. But in a very, and it's very, I don't, I don't actually like to say this, but I'm going to say it. But I'm 15 years from being 65. <laughs> it's these 65-year-olds, I love you. I'm just not ready for it. And I'm 20, 20 years from being 70, I still feel really young. This is not the point of this. <laughs> I'm not aging quickly or something. But my oldest daughter is 20. And I still have a very vivid memory of the day she was born. And that 20 years went like that. It went like that, friends. And, and for most churches, it's actually not great to have a 70-year-old pastor. Just going to be honest with you. Now, my dad was 70 when he when, when he passed the church off to me. I'm just saying as a lead pastor, we, we need all ages. I'm just talking practically speaking. And so just me as an individual, me as a pastor, I, I'm, I'm preparing and I'm thinking for the future, and I, I want to set the church up for success in every way possible. And I'm not saying that when I turn 65, I'm retiring that day. That's not the point I'm making. So just get numbers out of your mind. My point is, it, it would actually be unfair of me to be like, eh, I, have, I can't be bothered to move buildings again. Oh, it's just too much work. Let's just, let's just stop growing the church. Let's forget next steps because there's too many people coming already. And we could be like, just us, and that's all we need. But you know what? One of the things that makes me very sad when I drive around Ontario, and I see a church building, and it's now a community center. It really bothers me. Partly it bothers me because this is what I do with my life. And, and a little bit, I, I always wonder, like, what, what happened that they they weren't able to go past a certain generation. Now, part of it, I actually know what happened because we went through some of it here. We got through some of it here. But we have to have a vision for the next generation. We have to have the vision for the legacy. Otherwise, the next church building we are in, it will just become a community center or something else or somebody will buy it and turn into something. Why? Because the church is gone. And we, as individual Christ followers, we can't be okay with churches dying. And the reason why churches die is because people don't care about connecting, faith for children and students. They just want to sing the songs that they like. And the reason I know this is because we went through this. We, we just want to do what we like. We want it, it connects with me, and so that's fine. And then the church shuts down. But we we, we have to prepare a legacy. God has done too much for us, for us just just to not care about the next generation. To whom much is given, much is required. And in the book of Judges, and I remember reading this in Bible school and it really bothered me. And over and over again in the book of Judges, there's this phrase and it says, there grew up another generation and they didn't know God. And so what happened? We didn't do the hard work of making sure that our kids understood the faith. Because it is hard work, friends. Because it's a brand new culture and they're growing up on a time that we didn't grow up in, and it can be very frustrating because they have questions that you never had. And that we could just get frustrated with the questions all oh, these kids today. <laughs> but we can't, we can't do that in the church. With products, doesn't matter. With products, whatever, your shoes, if your shoes don't sell the next generation, nobody cares, you just make new shoes. But we, we, in the church, we can't afford to let a generation go. We have to prepare a legacy. And we can't be okay with just our church becoming a community center in the future. We actually have to care about our kids and our students and invest time and resources to making sure that they understand about Jesus. Jesus it has to be meaningful to us it has to be really important to us church isn't just about me psalm 145 verse 4 one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts psalm 100 for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever his faithfulness To all generations. Not just my generation. Not just me. These things are for all generations. So the responsibility is on the preceding generation to make sure that they get it. I'm not talking about force. I'm not talking, you must be a Christian. Other religions do that. We can't. It has to be their choice. But if we can't present it to them, if we can't tell them a story, we can't tell them the story. Let this be recorded for a generation. Psalm 102. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. See, this is the standard that God is holding us to. Not even the people that are alive in our city. For the children yet to be born, there needs to be a church in the city where people can come and praise God. And thank God, I know I'm just talking about us, there's lots of great churches in the city. But we have to have we gotta have a vision for the future and then the future future like beyond our lives. When all of us, and this should be our goal, friends, when all of us, when our mortal bodies are six feet under, this church should still be going so that people can praise the Lord. So what is the thing for the next generation? It's to see, to tell them, to tell them about the acts of God To tell them about his love, to tell them about his faithfulness, so that we may praise him. Not our traditions. Listen, kids, church must look like this forever. It shouldn't. 20 years from now, this church should not look like this. It should look like whatever is in the culture at the moment. Because this is what happens in churches. I'm just telling you, I'm a lifer. People are fighting about their traditions and fighting about their church decorations and fighting about dress codes. And kids walk away. But what we need to tell them about is the acts of God, his love, his faithfulness, so that they may praise him along with us. We have to leave a legacy. We got to prepare so that we can prepare so that we can prepare for when we're gone. For all generations. Last verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This is something for us to maintain. This, what I just read. Not how the pastor dresses. That. That I just read. To understand that is et- Those are eternal words. It is by grace you are saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. See, this is the thing that will work in any decorations and in any song style and in any musical style forever and ever. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do God prepared in advance for us to do he had a vision of us he prepared in advance what that we wouldn't think our good works save us that it is only by the grace of God that we have a relationship with God and our faith gets us into that relationship with God but because all of that is true he's prepared good works for us to do what is what is the simple vision for our church is that God really wants us to do a lot of good things in our city first of all that God wants us to keep preaching Jesus because this is the best thing this is the best thing to know that you are not righteous on your own and it is not achievable on your own but God has given you a gift preaching of the gospel lifting up the name of Jesus and he wants us to do really good stuff in our city. What are the, what, is, what is some of the stuff that needs to go on in our city is that people actually need friends. People actually need friends who are journeying on the life of following Jesus. And so what do we have? We have groups. Because people really need friends. People can't live this life of faith on their own. We need to do good stuff in our city so we have serve events where we go out in our city and we just do good stuff in our city. And then we need to do good stuff in this building and our next. And so what do we have? We have the city team. Why? So that we could just treat each other really well and we can love each other and not give in to petty differences and not give in to petty offenses and not fight about nonsense we could just gather together and we could stir each other up and we can serve each other. We can be a blessing to, to each other and we can just say to the city, hey, come join our family. Come be a part of our family. We, I just need to get you to Jesus. I know your life is a mess and I know this and that and the other, but here just, I need to get you to Jesus because he's the one that's going to make a difference in your life. So the question I have for you as we, as we think about the future, as we prepare for the future as we dream about a legacy how much good can we do in our city how much lifting up of the name of jesus how much preaching of the gospel can we do on sunday morning can we do with kids can we do with students can we do in groups i don't i don't actually know but i would say let's find out Let's not put a number on it, but let's find out how much we can do in this city. To whom much is given, much is required. Let's find out what we could do in our city. And so that when we get up in heaven, all of us in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, when we're all up in glory one day, looking down in this city, it could be a church continuing to do good things continuing to preach about Jesus continuing to do good things but while we live how many good things can we can do i don't know but let's find out how many people far from god can we move closer to Jesus i don't know but let's find out how many people in our city can we feed through eden food bank i don't know but let's find out how many children can we help disciple I don't know, but let's find out. How many students can we move closer to Jesus? I'm not sure, but let's find out. And let's find out together. Let's find out together how many we can do. How many confused young people are there out there that need their answers, need, need answers to their questions? If we can move them closer to Jesus, I don't know, but let's find out. How many marriages can we help strengthen? I don't know, but let's find out. How many parents can we encourage saying, don't give up, I know you're exhausted right now, but don't give up, it gets better. And they stop throwing food. How many parents can we encourage? I don't know, but let's find out. How much human potential can we unlock By telling people to get connected with their creator? I don't know, but let's find out. How many churches could we help plant in our nation? I don't actually know, but let's find out. Let's leave a legacy of impact, so that people not yet born—not not that they can know our name, not that they can know the name of the City Church—but so that they can know the name of Jesus. Man, let's leave a legacy together. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from the City Church, or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at CityChurchGTA. Thanks again for joining us.